0: Welcome aboard the Power Up with Manal podcast, your go-to source for inspiring entrepreneurship, leadership, and mental fitness development. Get ready to push your limits mentally and come away feeling like a turbocharged version of yourself. Let's power up our lives. Are you ready to power up? We are going to introduce you to the amazing Drew Dillon. As a product strategist, consultant, and entrepreneur, Drew has valuable insights on product development and commercialization, as well as expert tips on scaling and growing your business. He's a champion of tackling challenges head on and with a perfect balance of technical know-hows and emotional intelligence, Drew will help inspire and motivate you to push forward and adopt forward-thinking strategies that will keep your company ahead of the curve. Join us for this incredible session and let's Power Up together. Drew, welcome to the Power Up with Manal podcast. I am so excited to have you here. We've done so many episodes on Mondays with Manal around interoperability and product and the evolution of what's going on in today's world. But not just that, also how to keep a a strong mindset, really driving forward, understanding change, understanding evolution, and it all starts here. Um, and I couldn't think of anyone that fit that mold better than you. <laughs> oh, <thanks laughs> you always so. impressed me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. You've always been super impressionable with, um, you know, the the strategies that you bring forward, but not just the strategies. Also, you know, your very even keel personality, um, the way you think through, um, you know, turmoil and chaos and. You've, you've been in big corporate, you've started corporations, you help companies um, expand and, and have a strategic output. There are many, many layers to you and many facets. Um, if you can take a moment to introduce yourself, what you do and the journey that you have been on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nice to meet you. Thanks everybody for, uh, for listening. Uh, yeah, Drew Dillon, uh, longtime product leader, I think, You know when i first started out there's no school of product management or there's no degree in product management that you can get Uh, but what i found throughout the course of my career is i've just always been interested in a lot of different things um so at first i was a graphic designer then i was an engineer then i was in sales when you start to basically average all those things out people told me that's that's product you're doing product "Oh, oh okay that's cool somebody named that um you know, most notably, I was with uh, a company called Yammer, which was sort of like one of these early pre-slack uh, called Facebook for the enterprise sort of apps that got bought by Microsoft, you know, for a billion dollars uh, way back, you know, before that was uh, a common occurrence in, a, in startup land. And then since then, product leadership roles um, uh, most and then leading up to uh, kind of my two most recent things, which are uh, what I call fractional product leadership. As well as uh, founded a company called Burb, uh, which unfortunately in the in the process of shutting down. But back to uh, uh, fractional product leadership, which is helping sort of early stage startups scale and build their product strategy from from zero to one and beyond.
0: Yeah, I love that. So while in this product strategy role, um, especially in the startup world, and you know we are sort of in this like you know like the two thousands like on steroids, right? Um, We're in a new sort of era of technology and AI and some of it, most of it, I don't understand. I'll just be real. But I know I need it and I study it. (laughs) Um, What are some of the challenges that you're seeing out there today? And how do you help uh, founders and companies, you know, think through some of this evolution and how to set themselves up for constant
1: change, really? The craziest thing for me, always with new technology, is just like figuring out where it fits. Um, With AI right now, you've got this crazy spectrum between um, AI is going to take over the world and we're all doomed and humanity is going to go extinct. And like, this is a stupid toy that nobody cares about. And whenever you see polar ends like that, like the answer is always in the middle. It's always going to be somewhere in the middle of like, okay, what is this thing? How can I use it? What will it impact? Um, That kind of stuff. And I think we're still in the early stages of, of somewhat of a growth curve of a you know a, sort of an exponential curve of what this thing will become uh, but at the same time i think we can look back to our own foundations and the foundation of uh, you know product development over the past 10 years i've always asked people these like complicated interview questions and my goal in actually asking complicated interview questions is to see if they're just going to throw in some random magical piece of technology into the answer because that is It's almost never the answer. Uh, Magic technology is like a tool that you can rely on in certain scenarios. uh, But the correct scenario and product is almost always understand your user better (laughs) and what they need better. And then layer in the magical thing on top of it. And then it becomes, you know, something interesting and valuable to the end user. Um, So, yeah, I'm working with a client right now in legal tech. Uh, and they don't need AI why because it was founded by a guy who's been working in as a lawyer for twenty five plus years. He has a deep domain expertise uh when we do finally add AI into the mix it's going to be you know unique and valuable, but he he gets the user, and that 's why the thing's successful um, so at a macro level, just take a step back from the tool. Um, and the outcomes of the tool to figure out what's unique and valuable and then figure figure out how to use the uh, the new thing.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Can you expand a little bit on really understanding the user? Because I think that's where most of the, the challenges come. Like, that's a big miss. I know I've missed that too. Like, I'm not perfect. And I, you know, and I've had to reverse back and be like, well, but from a user experience, this isn't working, you know? Um, and our and, and there's another challenge. So I, I kind of want to throw in another question with that. We are in a very multi-generational user, I would say, climate, right? Um, certain industries are ranging from their clientele being, you know, baby boomers to millennials. You have a big transfer of wealth happening. So things like law and um, financial services, financial planning, insurance are having to deal with like a vast range of generational clients, um, how do you tackle that? And what does that mean to be user focused?
1: Yeah, I think you have to, you know, first start with a concept of who you're serving, like that, that's always the case in any business, you, you can't serve everybody, because everybody wants to serve everybody, and you just get drowned out in the noise. Um, so you first have to start out with, you know, a, a user persona, and then go after that user persona. Now, um, this is where technology can get tricky because you're now forming an opinion about who should be using the thing. Uh, and I don't believe that technology is like politically neutral. You're by making that choice, you're intentionally excluding other people. Um, so you have to be, you know, careful about the ways you design these things and by the way you think of these things. But if you can define your the characteristic of your user base in such a way. You know that you can go find those people, sit down, and have a conversation with them. I always believe in kind of the empty notebook uh, sort of approach of like, you know, what's going on with you? What's you know, what are your challenges? What do you like? If you can start all the way back there, get into their headspace, talk about what their day looks like, even outside beyond the you know beautiful hypothesis of the product that they have in their mind, uh, you can get some really interesting context uh, about who, who this person is, and they will. You know, if you ask the right questions, they will tell you their problems. And if you go then talk to five more of those people and they keep hearing the same thing, if you get them to if you start hearing the same words repeated over and over again, that's a product. And you can kind of like continue to build off of that. Now, then you come back to things like email, web browsers, you know, kind of foundational now, which are almost like utilities of the technology space. Um, you know, they have gotten to such a scale of breadth that they have those multi-generational problems. They have the multi-user problems. Um, And so they now have to become a lot more broad and a lot less focused. Email is not about, you know, getting a sales deal done. It's about sending pictures of your grandkids. It's about, you know, getting notifications from your bank. Uh, So you'll notice that those sorts of like large utilities end up growing a lot more slowly uh, and changing a lot more slowly because they're accounting for all these different parameters uh you know of who's coming in i always used to think my grandmother uh when she was like 91 joined facebook and (laughs) uh, she would reply on my photos like she was writing a letter like dear drew oh that
0: is so cute
1: love grammy (laughs) <laughs> and it, it very rarely had anything to do with the picture. I was just like, I would love to understand her mindset. I, I never got a chance to do like the user research. <laughs> of like, what are you, how do you perceive this thing? What is this, you know, to somebody who was born, you know, in the in 18 <laughs> or in the, uh, you know, before the 20s?
0: <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Um, Drew, you, you know, are so knowledgeable on so many aspects. And I do feel that you know, being in different fields. And I've sort of taught this to a lot of my students, you know, that the the power of lateral moves and learning businesses from different perspectives. And that that sort of created this this great diversity in your mindset. How do you keep that going? Like, how do you, um, as an individual, keep an open mind and, you know, listen to different perspectives, understand different, you know, strategies, uh, implementations, um, change management, whatever it may be. And sometimes it's personal, right? Like, how do you keep that going in such a, because you're, bu- you're busy. I mean, you have family, you, you, you started a business, you, you are also, you know, a product strategy. Like, there's a lot happening in your life. How do you sort of keep that going?
1: I've always had a fascination with random bits of information, like you know, we were like the family that watched Jeopardy like during dinner. My parents would actually tell me to like stop telling them about my day so they could listen to Jeopardy. Um, so, like random pieces of information have always seemed really, really fascinating to me, um, and uh, because of that, I started to I would pull together these different things and I would draw threads between two very different, like disparate concepts, somewhat easily. I would kind of understand, I would look for familiar things. Um, So a a concrete example of that, I went, I got my computer science degree, Um, computer science, they taught me C, which is like not a worthwhile language for most of modern technology. Um, It's very, very like pointer management, all that kind of stuff. Like no modern web stack, you know, with the exception of Facebook, which isn't even all that modern uh, really runs on C, but what, what I learned really by going super, super deeply into C, which is a pretty foundational kind of early object oriented language is like, where are the tools? What are the things that I need? Uh, What does a loop look like? What does a if statement look like? How do I branch code? All that kind of stuff. Such that when I went to learn other languages, I was like, okay, where are my pieces? Where are the frameworks that I know from the previous one that I can now apply to this. And so because of that, I always kind of like, I'm thinking about the meta levels of like, Okay, what's behind this thing? What's repeatable? What is the framework? And, uh, you know, related to that, I, I found that, you know, I don't think of the as tech uh, as an industry, um, which I know that, you know, especially economists love to say, well, the tech industry is down. But like, what what does Uber have to do with Microsoft? Like, those are two exceptionally different companies. One of them is literally a giant cab company, and the other one is making software for businesses. I'm just like, how would you evaluate those two things? In the same way so to me tech is an approach and by thinking of tech as an approach to problem solving to uh fixing solutions it's meant that i've been able to go between companies like um you know one that built enterprise software one that did dental billing uh the current one i'm working with right now which is legal technology it's it's all at the at the end of the day it's about okay Who are the users? What do they need? What is our approach? How do we execute on the the development and delivery of technology that serves them? And then how do we continue to operate and iterate in a way that like keeps growing the company and building the business?
0: Yeah, I love that. I also love when you talked about these sort of micro uh, pieces of information that you retain or creating micro habits. I think it's so important because when we think about like, you know, tackling something new or learning something new usually we go all in it's overwhelming there's a lot of material instead of taking things in micro doses and then eventually all those micro doses sort of end up merging together and you've created more knowledge in your headspace than you would have uh studying one piece of you know information in exhaustion um and I I love that you said that I kind of do the same thing I have these power hours where I study um things I don't know about like generally like I till this day, I'm still trying to figure out what the heck Web3 is. But
1: like, <laughs> it's already over. Bar, We're already on Web5. Yeah, yeah. But if
0: You got me in a bar with a, with a, with a drink, and all of a sudden, I'm spewing all this information that I've taken in microdoses. And I'm like, wow, I guess I knew a lot more about this than I thought I did.
1: <laughs> That's the other, you know, re- relating to that at Web3 and things that you end up like just churning your brain on. Uh, I found if something is actually genuinely difficult and the experts telling you about it make it sound actually genuinely difficult, it's actually not worth knowing about. People are trying to (laughs) trick you with something. Um, So like if if the thing is not accessible, like the definition of expertise is somebody uh, of an expert is somebody who can actually put it in terms that a three-year-old can understand. And if they can't do that, you know, it's it's BS. They're not actually telling you anything. They're just giving you random words.
0: Hey, good advice, good advice right there, (laughs) good advice. Um, You know, one thing that I've noticed every time we talk to each other, um, even if there's chaos happening around us, you have a very strong sort of um, way of approaching chaos and high stress and lots going on at one time. From a mindset perspective, um, how does that help you? And how do you stay so calm in so much chaos? Because we all say we do, but when things when things happen, then we use excuse, well, but you know, I'm human. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> fell apart and we do. Um, how, how do you do it? Like share with us, you know, your sort of your calm demeanor. Like I love it. I love how you sort of, you know, calmly walk through chaos, if that's the right way to say it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I figured out a long time ago, um, you know, I've worked with a lot of folks who have suffered burnout, um, and things like that. And what I I realized early on, so I I joined Yammer as employee number 60 from like a a larger uh, company. And I was one of the few people there who had a kid, we had a 10 month old. Um, And life was, you know, just utter chaos. I tell people the story of building a a company to a billion dollars in like, you know, three years is, you felt like you're keeping the wheels on the car as you're like trying to drive the thing. Uh what I found was I was never uh and then I moved actually from sales into product where I was actually doing two jobs at one point while raising, you know, at that point a one year old. Um and what I discovered about myself is I don't burn out from overwork. Like I can work pretty much infinitely as long as it doesn't like affect other aspects of my life. Uh, that doesn't really bother me. What I do, what I found burns me out 100% is if I can't move the ball forward, if I can't make progress. Uh, and uh, that just kind of, uh, when I figured that out about myself, I realized that it was kind of all about taking the next step for me, um, whether it's, and, and that I have a somewhat of a high tolerance for risk uh, if you know I can uh, at least foresee what that thing is going to turn into. And so just putting one foot in front of the other, taking the next step, even if that one foot goes off a cliff and you don't know where you're, where you're going to land, uh, then that's always okay for me, um, as long as I don't feel just like stuck. If I feel like I'm stuck and I don't have agency to make my own changes, um, then, you know, then I, I really do start to burn out and that, that starts to affect me uh, pretty much. And
0: how do, you, how do you handle burnout? What's your approach?
1: Yeah, usually um usually it involves some kind of change, just radical change if I um how do I get out of this situation? How do I just exit the the scenario? Um so in work, you know, um I am a bit of a job hopper uh, for that reason just cuz like if I feel like I can't move the company forward then okay, then I I need to step out cuz I can't I can't make progress here.
0: Yeah, but I love that because so many of us stay in the cycle, it's like almost like we're on this hamster wheel, and we know we know we're like hit sort of a dead end, right? We know we're feeling burnout, but avoidance usually is a very strong human behavior when things aren't going right, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to tell themselves, uh, and then you're you're in this wheel, and it's hard to sort of shift. So I, I like that advice, you know, um, take action because life is short. And is it worth staying on that hamster wheel? That's a big question, you know?
1: So much. I mean, yeah, you just have to think about the percentage of your life you spend doing work. It is massive. It is one of the, it's the largest time commitment you'll do towards anything. And if you're going to be miserable there, yeah, I mean, you meet these people at, at big companies because they set up their equity grants in such a way that they get a grant every year. And so, not only do they have like golden handcuffs, the handcuffs get bigger and stronger and more powerful the longer that they stay there. They're like, well, if I miss out on next year's bonus, that's you know, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars down the drain. You're just like, ah, oh, that. I feel for you. I fundamentally don't have that in my DNA to put up with that because I just realize that so much of your life uh, is impacted by that.
0: With everything that you do and having family, and it's interesting because. You know, I find that a lot of people ask this question to mothers and women, but fathers feel just as, as a parent, it's a parent. I kind of don't deviate from the two. Um, Do you ever feel parent guilt? And if you do, how do you deal with it? Because I have now talked to many people and that's, those are like the first words that come out of their mouth. And this is men, women. Just generally, when you're, you know, on a path and you have a lot on your plate, it's a somewhat of a natural behavior. How do you deal with it? And do you do you feel it, or you know, is there is there a mindset approach that you take that helps you, you know, um, see beyond it?
1: I definitely have in the past. Um, thankfully, these days, as a consultant, I've got a lot of flexibility. Um, so you know, I think uh, my current schedule right now is handful of hours and so then two days on. And so I've got a lot of time to put into, uh, you know, spending time with the kids, which is just great, which is one of the reasons I, I do consult, um, in the past, I, uh, you know, I traveled, I had a job that had me flying to Australia every couple of months for like two weeks at a time. And so particularly our older daughter is kind of the daddy's girl, uh, you know, her attitude and behavior would just degrade the entire time that I was gone. And it was pretty clear that that's why, and then she would, you know, start, you know, um, causing trouble around the house and that kind of stuff um so i think yeah i don't have a there's no magic bullet i think i managed to find one for myself uh but there's no i don't think there's any advice i can provide except to just understand your boundaries and find a place that respects them
0: yeah that's a good that's a good point because um and i I, i'm probably this is repetitive from you know my past shows but you know we we grow up with the societal expectation that there's work and there's life, and you go about trying to balance both. If we are taught that it is one ecosystem, like you said, the most hours that you put spending doing anything in life is work. And if we if we learn at an earlier, I would say age the mindset shift that it is a part of your ecosystem and how do you manage all the pieces together um, just like you would I mean, it's amazing how we're so great at putting together you know, a product roadmap, the customer journey life cycle, and um, putting all these process flows together, but we don't actually take that and apply it to our lives. And if you think about it, it's almost like we have this process flow of life and and work is a part of it. Family is a part of it. Friends, dependents, whatever it may be, passions, hobbies, right? Um, and I, I, that's a great approach. And I, I try to do that too. And I... I've been there, and I've had you know you there's there are these things that you get as you grow as you age. Which children, you know, that's the beauty about them. They're not in they don't have these inhibitions of like uh, you know judgment and fears um, of you know what people will say, which is what we're so geared to think about. I've also learned to you know deviate from all that and really focus on what my ecosystem looks like, and that's that's changed the course of mindset. And that to me. A small shifts in mindset create large leaps in life.
1: Yeah, work-life balance to me is one of the worst concepts worst. we've come up with. Uh, <laughs> because fundamentally there are things you want and things you have to do <laughs> to get the things that you want. Like that's, that's the transaction. And there are things that you want um, you know, on one side and there are things that you have to do on this side that like have nothing to do with work to get the things that you want. Um, I think we tend to think of like work as the stuff I don't want to do, but there's plenty of stuff I don't want to do. I don't want to mow the lawn, but I don't want my house to look like crap. Like there there's things in both spheres that end up with the thing that you want. And so if your goal is, you know, your kids going to a good school, that they have uh, you know, the opportunity to have a happy, healthy family for themselves, um, there are aspects of both work and home that need to be there in order to provide for those things. For them to go to school, they need to to go to a good school. You need to be able to afford it. For them to go to a good school, they need to have had extra help on their homework and stuff like that. So you need to be there at home. Um, and yeah, the more we try to like atomize these two things and put work and and life in conflict with each other, the less we understand like actually what we want uh, out of our own lives in the long term.
0: Right, which creates a lot of anxiety and and sometimes depression, maybe burnout. Right, and. And these are, these are great, great mindset shifts to help individuals who are in that to sort of get out of it. Um, and I remember you told me one time, and I, I actually love this, um, and it's funny because my husband says the same thing to me all the time, but like, if I'm worked up about something, you know, um, and you said this one time when we were on a call, and you're like, is it that big of a deal? And I'm like, yeah, like, is it that big of a deal? Like, we make yeah. such a big deal out of things. And in the grand scheme of things, when we look at it from like a macro lens, like, It doesn't matter and it's such so much wasted headspace and energy that we're putting towards it
1: yeah yeah the meta-analysis of how much you know energy and you know emotion we put into something is is just fascinating and it's you know especially now i've got a daughter as a teenager um, it's very hard to step out of the moment sometimes and, and think about, uh, you know, what your emotions are in that state. <sighs> so you're like, ah, oh, why are you just doing the thing? <laughs> uh, but, you know, how much better uh, does your relationship get if you can just step back and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? What is she actually communicating? Like, what are we, you know, what's what's the outcome that we both want here?
0: How do you approach that when it's a client?
1: Mm, It's much easier when it's a client because (laughs) (laughs) I'm, although I I pride myself on caring a lot. uh, And I think that's what makes for a good consultancy is actually really, you know, caring about the outcome of the thing. The same time, it's it's their company. Um, So as long as, uh, you know, I've got, I've had Situations where I disagreed with the outcome, of the decision of the company, and I was like, cool, I'm going to do what you need me to do, as long as it doesn't, like, impact my reputation or in some way, like, damage or go against my values. Like, uh, I had one client who just couldn't sit down and sit down and, like, commit to a plan over three to six months. And, like, you realize going back and forth on plans all the time causes, you know, mental anguish for your employees. It's actually abusive. And he just couldn't like get there mentally of understanding why employees would feel, you know, mental, like have mental issues relating to uh, his inability to plan. I'm like, well, then I gotta go. Like, I can't, I can't be part of that.
0: Right, right. So, you know, with with product and technology changes, right? It's very easy to implement. Hard, but but easy because it's a machine, some sort of machine, right? A lot of times we miss the boat that the internal employees are going to have to deal with this change and there's a human yeah. aspect of it. When you strategize with founders and CEOs and companies, do you sort of think about that uh, in, as far as a change management strategy and how how do you do that? What's the approach?
1: Yeah, I think so much of where we fall down in planning is communicating the the pieces. You need to go do this. You need to go do that. You need to go do this. And then when things change, you're like, forget it. You need to go do this instead. And you need to go do that. Like, And people are like, what? Why? Like, I don't get what happened. Uh, and there's this whiplash. Um, and I think that is just a fundamental failing of leadership in, in a lot of different scenarios, which is like not telling people where you're going or where you perceive where you're going, um, you just like communicate task, 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 uh, and then, you know, not by not communicating where you're going. If, if our perspective on how to get there changes or even our understanding of where we're going changes, we, they just, we, we leave them in the dust. They have, you know, we were on this path. We didn't really understand where the path was going. Now we're on a new path. We didn't understand. We don't understand why this new path came about. Uh, so it's just like over communicating, treating, well, uh, Here's backing way up, treat people like grownups. Like they can understand what a corporate plan looks like. They can understand why you need to execute a corporate plan. They can understand all the different components of getting there. Uh, So trusting people with more information about the what's and why's and how uh, and then you know communicating the deviations and what the where those deviations came from. if you're upfront with all this information and up being upfront with it in a corporate environment often means repeating it seven different times in a bunch of different forums and formats then people will feel bought into the change. Okay, I understand why we did this. It sucks um, that I have to change and that you now the work that I did is getting thrown away. But at the same time, like if that's what it takes, you know, because I believe in you, the leadership, because I believed in the plan in the first place, uh, I'm going to trust you in going in that new direction.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's wonderful. I mean, you're right. One thing we miss is that human aspect and communication is, you know, and, and a lot of communication and telling the why behind, like communication is good to say out there, but the way you communicate matters too and how you communicate, right? Um, and, and the why behind changes matter. The understanding the overall North Star matters. Addressing fears matters. Like a lot of times we don't address fears because we're like, well, it's silly for them to think that. Well, okay, but they're they're thinking it. Um, and the one thing I've learned in many aspects of life, whether it be professional or personal, when you don't say anything, it leaves a lot of room for the mind to wander.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> and this is, this is not only business advice, it is relationship advice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, but in the- any group you're going to find, you know, there's a certain set of people that are just aren't going to be on board with the decision. And that's, that's always, once you get up to, you know, 100 plus employees, that there's just going to be that group. Um, And, you know, you can try and clamp down on that all you want. It's, you know, you're just going to create more. Uh, What you don't want to do is give, like, feed that that interpretation, the negative interpretation of what your plans are and, and your competence in executing on those plans by not communicating. If you can... You know, if these people seem irrational because you continue communicating in such a way that's super open, then like, you know, nobody's going to the group's not going to grow. It'll just, you know, stay kind of the uh, uh, the unhappy group on the corner.
0: Yeah, no, 100 percent, 100 percent. Should like tell it. Well, let me let me kind of flip this. Let's flip away from business. Um, What do you do? That's for Drew. What are what are some things, some passions, hobbies, readings? What What do you like to do?
1: I have not had it because I've been working on the startup, and because my kids are now each <laughs> in two different sports, uh, I haven't had a chance to do a lot of Drew things. Uh, when I did have Drew time, which I do now, I'm getting back into having Drew time again. Oh, I love I that! I like I like yoga. I do like woodworking. This is this is a, a set okay. I was going to ask. Actually. I was going
0: to ask about all the tools in the back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I actually did get to do some woodworking over the weekend, which is fun. I've got scrap lumbered out here on the ground, so. Nice. <laughs> uh, that that stuff's really fun to me uh, when I when I have the chance. And then, you know, I'm I'm sitting in my garage. I'm surrounded actually. Um, on this side over here is workout equipment. Over here is actually uh camping gear and a kayak. So, those are those are the things <laughs> I, I, I sit it. in my my entertainment zone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your man cave has become your work slash,
1: you, you, look
0: at this, you have integrated your work and life together. Bravo!
1: I do like the fact at any given moment, I could throw on like a backpack and walk out the door with a kayak. Like I could just do that right now.
0: I love it. I love it. That's great. Oh my gosh. Um, are there any other um, wisdoms that you would like to impart on our audience today?
1: I think the most common sorts of failure mode are getting under fire and thinking that you don't have time to sit down and think um, about the long term. And I think we it's very, very easy for you as an individual and for you as a team uh, to just like, you know, that that kind of like task execution mode. We're just getting information and executing on it immediately without thinking of taking a step back. And that, that step back is where you get all of the value. It's like, okay, where is this going? How do I see these things progressing? Um, And yeah, it's true of, you know, your individual work, your team's work and and your personal life. Like, based on where I want to go, what does this relate to?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. I remember at one time just always being go, 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 go. And I was busy. And in my mind, that equated to success. But I didn't know. And I... I say this cause it's like one of my favorite lines to say, but I'm like, you know, do, I ask people now, I'm like, do you know what your silence sounds like? Cause I didn't know. Somebody asked me that. And for a minute I pondered a lot. Cause I'm like, what's this cuckoo? Tell tylen- What? What is silence? Um, that is when I I became a big yogi and started meditating. And you know, even if it's like 10 minutes a day, that, that five to 10 minutes that I, you step back and you have some sort of you know, silence where you can think through sort of all the pieces and, and how you move forward and just have some reflection time, um, changes your life so much. And I think the net message here and so many things you've said and I've sort of shared in is that micro habits and changes make bigger impacts. And these are like small things very small small impacts and changes individuals can make and and knowing your silence is very important and when I say that I don't mean like just like just you know be quiet no no I mean like being reflective in your silence and and you know understanding where you want to go and are you on the path that you want to go at you can be busy but is it gonna get you to the like you said the ultimate state of where you think your life should be you know
1: Yeah. The internet teaches us basically that if you don't say anything that you don't exist and it's a extremely negative kind of feedback loop. And I think we, that folds into, you know, your email, your company Slack, having an opinion in a meeting, there's huge power in, uh, a not having an opinion, (laughs) just like realizing when you don't need to use your voice, um, this thing will get resolved without me. Um, and there's also, uh, huge empowerment in it. Like there's nothing I like better than when I was a manager and I would go off on vacation, come back, see like 300 messages waiting for me. But like they'd all been resolved without me. Like, okay, good. But I did a good job. I set my team up in a way where they could execute based on the way I would want them to while I wasn't even around. Um, you know, being able to fire yourself is is the ultimate form of leadership, I think.
0: Yes. No, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. So Drew, if somebody today listening to this is like, man, I could use a Drew in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How would one go about looking for you and what kind of client is ideal for your business?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I finally did check out of the Twitter as it's dying with a whimper instead of a bang. So uh, you find me on uh, LinkedIn. It'll be under Andrew Dillon um, or uh, Product Bridge. So Bridge, all one word, .co. Um, And I'm just drew at, um, my ideal clients are, you know, I do end up working with, although I do mostly focus on early stage startups. I do work with a lot of late stage, uh, private companies are looking for, you know, specific research or folks who never had product before, because I describe my service as scaling product strategy and scaling product strategy is true. You know, you need that, whether you're building a brand new thing at a large organization, or you've just achieved product market fit as an early stage startup. Uh, I really help you think through kind of where you're going, what you need to do, who are the people and processes you need to get there. And then I help you hire and bring in the the team to run it long term.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Drew. I feel like today so much has been shared from business to evolution of mind, uh, to change (laughs) management, um, you know, to family and life. Uh, thank you for your um, insight. Uh, it's been great, and I, I know that I'll be reaching out on some personal things because you know this is a world that you know everything's at our fingertips. Like we can create and do, and having um, you know somebody by your side that has done it many times and can provide that strategy is a great way to sort of eliminate some you know I would say risk in product development and go-to-market strategies.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Manal.
0: Thank you for tuning in. On each episode, we will continue to bring on successful, dynamic individuals to dig deep and share stories that will inspire you to power up your life. This show is packed with unrivaled storytelling and no reservation advice. Tune in now by searching Power Up with Manal wherever podcasts are found. Please show us just a little bit of love by leaving a review and hitting that subscribe button. This helps our small production get reach and voices heard globally. Let's power up together, baby.